DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulationista Sup. You're here with Janice Pelaganis and Dan Raymer. Sup, Janice. I have a little surprise for you and all of our listeners. We have a guest person on our show today. I love surprises and I love guests. <laughs> we have Dr. Susan Farrell, who we're going to refer to as Sue. She's here with us. She's the Director of Continuing and Professional Development in the Center for Interprofessional Studies and Innovation at the MGH Institute. You'll like this, Dan. Her background's actually in engineering, just like you. Oh, wow. Did you know that? Yeah, we'll have to give each other the sign. <laughs> no, because then I won't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, we have a secret sign, Janice. <laughs> That's not fair. Out. And then uh, she went on and studied medicine, and her clinical training's actually, like me, in emergency. But you also studied medical toxicology. You were at a college in Pennsylvania, right? I did my residency and fellowship outside of Philadelphia, and then I came back to Boston in the late 90s. Go Eagles! How do you feel about that? <laughs> You're hurting me. <laughs> Sue's been working, she worked at Harvard Medical School for 20 years as the Director of Student Programs in the Emergency Medicine Clerkship at Brigham and Women's, and then got her Master's in Education, which is awesome, at Harvard Graduate School. And your focus was in assessment and evaluation methods. Mm-hmm. Yes. Welcome, Sue. Thank Welcome. you. Thanks for having me. A very impressive resume. I especially like the engineering piece of it that that puts you on a good foundation. Yeah. Well, we're going to we're going to start talking our secret language. When I was a young adult at college, my father was an engineer and I was always asking him for help on my engineering work and so my sisters would walk around saying all they ever talk about is J omega, J omega, J omega this, J omega that. And so that's part of our secret language. Well, I have to say that I probably think like an engineer, but I talk like a teacher. Oh, good. (laughs) So, Dan, the reason I asked Sue to join us is because Sue is putting together an amazing conference on interprofessional education and leadership in interprofessional education. And we're going to be working together, uh, I think, next, is that next Friday, Sue? Thursday, Thursday afternoon and Friday. Friday. Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited. Maybe um, maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about what that is, and then I'll let you know, Dan, why. Okay. Uh, so shall I tell you a little bit about what we're doing? Sounds great. I've been very interested in how to get healthcare professionals across different professions to come together more easily in order to not just work next to each other, but to really work in an integrated fashion as a team. As you know, that's how we practice in the emergency department. We don't always do it perfectly, but I think it's worth bringing people together to explore why we, why we don't always do it perfectly and how we can be more attentive to our relationships in order to do a better job together. And 
that's married with the attention to patient care as well as our own learning. So that's what we're doing next week. And we're so glad to have you joining us from CMS. So I've been to uh, a lot of conferences in my career and uh, and I always I always love them and I always feel like I get a lot out of them. But I wonder if they change me. The essence of my question is, you know, you do this conference, you're tackling a subject which I've found to be just an impenetrable mountain. You know, everybody everybody talks about interprofessional education, working as a team, and they're all for it on the outside. But when you actually get into it, they don't really understand it or want to or do it or something like that. So I'm wondering why you think having a conference on this topic will be helpful. Well, I think there's so many things that I'd like to say. First of all, I think the the reason that we wanted to think about this is because it's not enough for leadership to rest with the people who have all of the titles. We really feel, and I personally feel, that leadership is a characteristic and a quality that we need to intentionally empower in everyone who cares about where we work. We're using this as an opportunity to be introspective ourselves and then to learn from other people who specifically research how to bring people together in order to leverage their diversity uh, in order to do a better job and to really uncover the assumptions that we have about ourselves and our organizations that probably hold us back unintentionally. And so we've planned a group of speakers who know about healthcare but aren't in healthcare so that they can help us to look more at ourselves and think differently about who we are. So it's always great to have people from outside your field and I think it's a I think that's a technique that is really effective when there is maturity in the in the people who are receiving it the maturity to be able to say huh you know i can learn something uh and apply it to some analogous situation that i face what what i see so often is that people in healthcare are not very mature that they easily dismiss others that they you know, they kind of say, how does that apply to me? Or that, that work in aviation or in, uh, you know, nuclear power plants or the chemical processing industry, but uh, they just don't understand healthcare. Mm. And, and I, my interpretation of that is that we are so set in our ways and so closed that we're not willing to open up and listen to other people. How do you soften them up? You know, how do you get them to actually take what these people from outside are saying and do something about it? I think the way that we're going to try to soften them up (laughs) is we're going to ask people to reflect on something that is intensely painful and real for healthcare professionals. And we have Professor Bruce Avolio, who researches authentic leadership walking us through our own reflections on what happened during and shortly after the Boston Marathon bombing, which was an event that affected our entire city as well as the nation. But many of us who are in the room 
were actually care providers during that event. And remarkably, people during that tragedy were able to drop all of their specific boundaries and roles in order to come together on behalf of these victims and survivors of that tragedy. And there are so many success stories that have been told about that event. And if you read about those, they're inspiring to think about, but it does make you reflect on, well, then why is it that people don't communicate with each other and act in that way that's so complementary and flexible every day? And so we are going to try to soften people up by asking them to reflect on how is it that people can come together in times of extreme stress or crisis, but why do we not do that every day when we go to work with each other? And I hope that that experience will prepare them for then learning more. I love that approach to uh, um, so-called softening them up. Uh, It kind of strikes a chord with me. The year before the Boston Marathon bombing, uh, I was charged with uh, doing simulations with uh, with teams at another major healthcare institution in Boston in the emergency department, and uh, and we just happened to choose a terrorist bombing as a uh, first case that we did. And I can't tell you uh, how many people said to me at the end of it, "Why are we doing this? This is stupid because this won't happen." And then when it happened, I thought to myself, oh my God, we actually practiced this. And we saw lots of flaws and we saw lots of things that were not very, you know, interprofessional, kind of unwillingness to share thinking and communicate things uh, clearly and uh, feedback what people understood because, you know, this was a potentially chaotic situation. And, uh, and afterwards, I talked to a couple of the emergency medicine people, and their attitude was, oh, yeah, well, we didn't really need to practice that, that we were already good. Maybe we did accomplish something, but people didn't seem to recognize it. Was that a one-day training? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, with each of the teams. And so by the time we were done, everyone, every one of the emergency medicine physicians had gone through that case with a group of nurses. Not all the nurses got the exposure because there are many more nurses than there are physicians, but there were two or three nurses per physician. So, you know, it was a reasonable cohort of the department. And it just struck me that that they were so resistant. First of all, so just going back to your question, Dan, is it possible to get at deep-seated issues through a one-day contact, whether it's a conference or a training session. And what I'm hearing from Sue that I love, and you as well, is that it's really trying to figure out either speakers or activities that can get the attendees to reflect in some format. And Mm -hmm. what is the magic formula to creating an activity that, that will instigate or stimulate reflection and, and so what I'm hearing from both of you is from Sue, a real life experience and storytelling. And from you as well, Dan, bringing different perspectives to the table. What are your thoughts on what I just said? Well, I guess I like the idea of people 
starting by really pushing themselves to honestly reflect on something that's deeply meaningful for them in order to open their minds to hear something new. And the Boston Marathon bombing didn't only involve acute care providers in the first 24 to you know 72 hours. It involved amazing teams from Spalding Rehab who also came together and they already work in a team-based manner. And yet they noted that their communication and the facility with which they were able to come together during that time and immediately afterward is different from how they work every day and they already work in a team-based way. So I think that sort of allows people the safety to then learn something new. And we want people to be ready to learn about how leadership can really be a quality that can bring people across their professional boundaries. So we have a speaker who's coming from University Cincinnati, Professor Donna Schrobo-Mason, whose research is all about the hidden fault lines between diverse groups of people and how to recognize environmental characteristics and behaviors that activate those fault lines and cause people to pull away from each other rather than coming together. And her work is not in healthcare, but I see a lot of parallels in terms of environmental factors that cause us to draw away from team-based practice and to protect what feels central to us. And I think that we can learn a lot in healthcare about how to span those professional boundaries in order to make people feel safe and valued within the team. If we can teach people something new that they haven't tried before that exists elsewhere outside of healthcare, I think that we would move them one step closer toward new learning during that day. That's our intention. So it sounds like they're going to be given activities. Dan, I think that also speaks to your very important point, which is to to hit deep-seated issues in one day. And what I think you're revealing from your experience with the training is that it might not be immediate. And, you know, as we preach in education is the best we can do is give them the context for learning and hope that they'll take it and reflect on it and it might make sense later on, which it sounds like when the actual event happened, it did. So I think that's the best that we can do. And so from one day, I think it is possible. Yeah, I I certainly agree with you. And the expectation that people will change is a very unrealistic one. We all get pretty set in our ways and we find ways to make what we do work and to to vary from that is quite frightening and dangerous. And we don't go experimenting with new ways of operating every day. And if we did, there'd be a lot of chaos. So I think, you know, small incremental changes, you know, multiple exposures to the topic that we're talking about, this whole notion of interprofessionalism. I think is a very, very big topic that has many layers to it, many of which we don't even understand. Those of us who work on it don't even understand. And I think it's going to take a long time and lots of exposures to get people to really change. 
So, so I wonder if you agree with that, Sue, or, or what do you think about that? No, I do. I don't think that one day is sufficient to make people feel safe that they can go out into their environment where they work every day and make everyone see things differently. We are asking people to go through an exercise with Bob Keegan, you know, really asking them then to go back into self-reflection in which they have to really test their own assumptions about what holds them back as contributors to an interprofessional team or an interprofessional culture. And that's a very personal thing to do for people to test their hidden assumptions that probably are keeping them safe and protected and to think of a small experiment, a small test that they could do to try out to see if change in a very small incremental way might be scary, but might actually be very satisfying and might have outcomes that that were even more positive than they had imagined. So I don't think we can make people change significantly in one day, but I think we can offer them a safe opportunity to learn something new that they could then test out as a small change when they go home. And then to reinforce that as something that is worth trying again. So Bob Keegan, I love Bob Keegan. Uh, maybe you should tell our listeners uh, who Bob is and what he uh what he likes to do. I love Bob Keegan too. He's a professor from the Harvard Graduate School of Education whose area of research is in adult development. And he's very well known for taking people through this activity, Dan, uh, to help people to understand themselves better in order to make tests of new change. So, so I just want to put in a plug for simulation as a follow-up to this sort of thing, because you you ask people to you know, implement this tiny change, they need to practice it. And so Mm -hmm. one way to practice it is to go home and practice on your pet fish and talk to your pet (laughs) fish in a different way. The, The real test is in the actual clinical environment where you might talk to a colleague differently than you would from a different service or a, or a different, uh, discipline or a patient, uh, patient's family might, uh, and so, you know, the scary leap from practicing on your guppy to practicing <laughs> on your on your patients a huge one, and 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 I see a role for simulation as the bridge to be able to practice doing new things in a safe way in a safe place, uh, uh, you know, in order to feel more comfortable to pull out those guns and use them in the you know in your practice. And uh, so thank you both for talking about my favorite topic, interprofessional education. I also want to point out something that hasn't emerged in our discussion, which is the power of the gathering and the power of the community of practice. And I think just bringing all these different professions together, hopefully they'll network and talk with each other. Colleagues can teach each other many, many different things that the speakers can. And so I think that's the other benefit of of a one-day conference. I think it's reinforcing to feel the energy from other people about new learning together. I agree with you there, Janice. Great. It was nice to talk to you, Sue. And uh, Janice, always uh, fun to talk to you and see your smiling face. So do you guys think that um, we created any kind of learning from this uh, short podcast? <laughs> I Why think we learned. <laughs> I think we learned that every day that's a day of learning is worth it.
as long as it's a day of learning. And bringing three different professions together to discuss the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank okay. You. Take Bye. care. DJ Simulationistas. What's up? It's brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.